Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what has already been just a sweet time of worshiping your son Jesus and singing about the great gospel of his life, death, and resurrection. I pray, Father, as we dive into your word and we talk about the most important thing that there ever was, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would give us clarity from your spirit. And Father, if we don't belong to you, might today be the day of our salvation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to tote my own table. I know Chris has people that tote his table. I hadn't got there yet. Give the band a hand. I do a fantastic time. I am, uh, my name is Jeremy McGee. I am the uh, taller Irish version of Chris Craig today. And so uh, I want to start out this morning with a test. Now, I know you guys on the front row, you're like, I have had it with tests. I'm done with the test taking. I promise this will be easy. Well, it should be easy. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture. I'm going to show you two pictures, actually. Uh, and they're uh, currencies. They're $100 bills. I want you to spot the counterfeit bill. Okay? This is going to be a little test. I'm going to show you two pictures, and then I'm going to get you to tell me which one is the fake one, the counterfeit one. So we have a, we have a picture Jamie, no, no, no picture? Okay. All right. <laughs> Let me explain to you what it was. You'll think this, it won't be nearly as funny because you're not visualizing it. Um, it was a picture of a $100 bill, real deal, $100 bill. $100 bill has who on it? Okay, yeah, Benjamin Franklin. All right, and then after that, I had a picture of a $100 bill, but they transposed Trump and his beautiful hairdo in the place of the president. And the idea was to be able to spot a counterfeit, you got to know what the real one looks like, right? So in, in the government, they teach uh, their agents how to spot counterfeits, not by recognizing all the ways that you can counterfeit a $100 bill or a $20 bill. They teach them what the real thing looks like, the real, the real deal money. And so when you know intimately what a $100 bill looks like, which I do not, um, then when you see a fake, it's like, this is a fake. I mean, I, can, I just know what the real thing looks like so much that I recognize a fake. Um, today we are going to talk about, uh, from the book of Galatians, uh, counterfeit gospel. Um, anytime somebody tries to counterfeit something, it's of great value, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't counterfeit it. There's, like, there's not a lot of people who are counterfeiting pennies, right? It's like 20s, $100 bills. And so the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the most important thing that there ever was, guess what? As soon as Jesus Christ died, there were people counterfeiting his gospel. And so we're going to get into today, we're going to be in Galatians uh, the first chapter, um, and I hope you can stay with me since I had to explain the pictures. Um, a little, a little backstory on why Paul wrote Galatians. So I don't know if you've ever maybe gotten somebody else's mail 
in the mail. And maybe you inadvertently opened it up, even though it wasn't yours. And then you begin to read a letter that was written from somebody you don't even know to somebody else that you don't know. So it could be talking about people you don't know. They're going to places that you've never heard of, doing things that you don't understand. Reading Paul's letters is a lot like that. You're reading somebody else's mail. And so it's important to get a good historical context of why is Paul, why is Paul writing this letter? Who are the Galatians? Who are the Judaizers? It's all, these are all wonderful things to know. So little backstory, Paul, missionary, first missionary journey goes to what is today uh, modern-day Turkey. And uh, this area was called Galatia back then. And then, so he goes, and his MO is always preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he does that. People get saved. And guess what? Enough people get saved that he starts planting churches uh, in, in this area. And he's preaching the real gospel. These are genuine converts. And then, so he goes on, him and Barnabas and whoever else was with him go on. Uh, after he started this churches and, but he doesn't get out of town. Uh, the dust hasn't settled from him leaving and these Judaizers swoop in. These are Jewish people and they swoop in and start sort of not, not sort of, they're really, they're preaching a counterfeit gospel to, uh, these recently converted Galatians. And basically the Judaizers are saying, no, it's, it's Paul's gospel. Yeah. Yeah, but he left out all the ceremonial law. I mean, this is, a, this is a Jewish religion. We can't just do away with all our history, thousands of years of history. And so it's Jesus plus the ceremonial law, circum, circumcision, things like that. There's a few dates that we're going to need you to write on your calendar, and we don't want to miss those because that's all part of your salvation. We can't just do away with everything. And so Paul's primary, what he is doing is he's defending his apostleship, because what do you do when you want to make a fake? Well, you got to discredit the, me- the messenger of the real one. So they're, uh, they're discrediting Paul's apostleship, and then they're also tweaking the gospel, making a counterfeit gospel. All right, so all that, we're going to read somebody else's mail, so I wanted you to, to kind of know that. I hope we have the scripture. Um, okay, there we go. Galatians 1, 1 through 9 uh, is what we'll be in. Starts off with this Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, Paul starts out, I'm an apostle, okay? Just, Just so you all know, I am an apostle and not from men. No, I didn't go down and get my certificate from the 11 apostles. Uh, original disciples that Jesus walked with. Uh, I got my apostleship from Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ himself. His gospel was given to me personally. All right. And then he adds a little, what I call a little gospel snippet. He says, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who did what? who raised him from the dead. Jesus is not dead. God raised him from the dead. All right, verse two. And all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Now, I don't know if you've ever maybe had something you said in a group be misrepresented or maybe somebody just said you flat out lied. But what do you do? You go and find people who are there and you go and say, 
hey, did, did I say that? Did I, did I sound like that when I said that? And, and if they care about you, they'll say, no, 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 no. Okay, well, you come with me, and we're going to get this thing straightened out. And so Paul says, it's not just me. i got a whole bunch of folks with me that, that are going to back up what I said the true gospel is. All right, so verse 3. Standard Pauline introduction here. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of Paul's standard introduction. Verse 4. Who gave himself, another gospel snippet, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according, whose will was it? God the Father. Another gospel snippet there. Verse 5. To whom be the glory and glo- forever and ever. Amen. And then verse 6. All right. I don't know if you, you guys like dramas or like soap operas or stuff, but the music is about to change right here. Paul, I, it, in all the other epistles, Paul just goes into this long introduction and he loves the people and he thanks them and, and he's so encouraging to them. Paul here... He's, he's not encouraging. He gets straight to the, cuts straight to the truth. I am astonished. I cannot believe it that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning, turning to a what? Y'all say this, turning to a what? A different gospel, a counterfeit gospel. All right. Paul said, I... I can't believe this. My mind is blown. I cannot, you'd let these guys just come in right after me. And, and how fast did it happen? You were so quickly. It's like they didn't even put up a fight. They're like, you know, these guys came in and said, oh, it's circumcision too, guys. Sorry. And they're like, oh, okay. Sounds good. All right. It happened so quickly. All right. And then verse uh, 7, Paul's quick to Make them understand. Not that there is another one, another gospel, but there are some who, what are the Judaizers doing? They're troubling these guys. These new, fresh converts, these babes in Christ are getting troubled. And then you want to come in and, and sort of tweak the gospel. Just, just distort it just a little bit. It wouldn't be like Donald Trump, you know, on the front of a $100 bill. It wouldn't be that obvious. It would just be just a, just a little, we're just going to add just a little bit. Just a little bit, still the gospel. It'll save you. All right, and then verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. This is heavy language. So let's just say we were here today and the back doors bust open and this 10 foot angel walks in. You know, angels have wings. And I don't know if they do or not, but that's how they're always portrayed. And so he, this Shaquille O'Neal-sized angel walks through and flies from the back door up to here, big halo, bright, and begins to share a gospel different than the one that was preached by Paul. You know what what Paul would say if he was here? Angel, this is the PG-13 version, guys. You be damned to hell. If you're preaching that, it's, it's serious. You want to preach another gospel? Why, why is Paul so fired up about this? For one thing, 
Paul was, Jesus Christ saved Paul from a life of religious righteousness. And he realizes that. And so you add anything to the gospel and it ceases to be the gospel. It ceases to be able to save you. And so what's at stake? People's salvation, people's eternity, all right? Their happiness, their peace, all the things that we enjoy as Christ followers, gone when people put their faith in a counterfeit gospel. Paul is fired up. That word accursed is anathema. And you don't, I don't have a, a word today that we use that compares to the power that that word holds, but it's, it's not used a lot, but when it is, it means something. Okay, and then verse 9. As we have said before, he's going to reiterate it, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, we'll say it again, let them be damned to hell for that. This is serious. It's people's eternity are at a stake. All right? So what in the world does that have to do with us today? Well, I can tell you, in this message today, the application part of this message is for people who are saved and for people who are not saved. Okay? So I would say that's probably all of us in here today. But here's the deal. A counterfeit gospel for the person who does not believe or who has believed in a wrong gospel, uh, eternity is at stake. Eternity in hell, separated from God. But for those who believe, and then we just sort of drift, we just sort of drift this way into what we originally believed that saved us, we, we begin to, a gospel drift. We, believe, we begin a, maybe a little bit of amnesia of what originally saved us. And so we, we can add a little works to it, and we begin to distort the gospel. So for, for the believer, you can drift in your gospel. For those of you who are not saved, We've got to have the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? So I, I want to, I just want to cover two counterfeit gospels that are just prevalent in the South, in the religious South. And I want us to listen with ears to say, hey, I know I'm saved, but I feel like maybe I'm a, I've drifted a little bit in what I believe, what I originally believed in. Or maybe you're here today and said, The gospel I believed in is not anything like you're talking about, and I want to get saved today. And so those are the two two things. So the first gospel, the first, let me be clear, counterfeit gospel that is so prevalent in the South is the Jesus plus gospel. This is kind of what the, the Judaizers were talking about. The Jesus plus gospel is this, adding anything to the gospel in hopes that those things that I'm adding plus Jesus, will ensure that God loves me, approves of me, and is willing to save me. So it's Jesus, yeah, 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 sacrificial death, atonement, died for my sins. But I'm going to add some religious things to it because I'm not quite sure, Jesus, if you're quite good enough to, to do that. All right, so the Jesus plus gospel will always, all, this, we're going 
we're going to see a symptom of each counterfeit gospel. So the Jesus plus gospel has some symptoms that we can recognize. All right, so if you are a disciplined person and you have maybe placed your face in the, in, in the Jesus plus gospel, by the way, if you're, if you're pretty self-disciplined and, um, you know, your life is, you know, in order and all that, you have a chance to drift into this, this counterfeit gospel. And so the Jesus plus gospel brings about pride in your life. Because guess what? Guess who's in charge of your salvation? Well, it's Jesus, you know, but, but really it's me because I follow the rules and I come to church and I'm on five different committees and I serve and guess what, God, you owe me. And so the counterfeit gospel of the Jesus plus gospel produces pride and self-righteousness. And so if you begin to feel that kind of pride and self-righteousness bubble up in you, check, check, check where you're at. Um, it, if we begin to have that gospel shift, uh, we'll look at other people's sin a lot more than we'll look at ours. And, we, and we'll think, God, why do they struggle with that? So I don't know if you've ever been to Planet Fitness. I have never been, but I have heard this and I see the commercials. And it's a, it's a wonderful marketing strategy. It's no judgment. It's no judgment. Guess what Planet Fitness has researched and know? When people who are not, let's just say, super fit or gym rats or anything like that, come into a gym and, you know, maybe they're a little fluffy and maybe they're just getting started they're worried about what other people think, right? And so Planet Fitness has said, this is no judgment. This, this, is, a, this is a no judgment area because they know what? People who are disciplined, people, in, and I'm not saying anybody in our church is like that. I'm just saying it's potential that if you are disciplined and work out all the time and you're fit and trim and you did this and your body looks like this because you were disciplined, then you have an, I'm just saying, hypothetically, it could happen that you may judge other people who are not as fit and trim and healthy and eat five pounds of kale a day and, and protein shakes and, and, and all that stuff. And they tapped into this, this deal where there's pride and there's judgmental and we don't, we don't want anybody not to come work out our facility because they feel judged. Right? Because they know when you do things in your own strength, pride is the first thing that help, happens, self-righteousness, for the disciplined people. Okay? What if you're not a disciplined person, and yet you feel like you have bought into this, this Jesus plus whatever, good works, I don't curse, you know, I tithe, and do all, follow the rules, and you follow the rules, you're right with God. What if you're not disciplined? What if you can't whip your sin into shape? What happens then? Another consequence of putting your faith in the, in the Jesus plus gospel is that you're, you're just in despair. It's not pride because you're not disciplined. It's despair. It's like, I tried to follow the rules. I tried. I tried. They put me on a committee and I just couldn't show up. And, and, and I know these, these rules that I'm supposed to follow and to, to be right with God. And, and I, just, I just know he's up there. And he's disappointed in me. 
because I can't follow the rules and I can't get out of bed before 10 and, and, and so-and-so is having their, you know, two-hour quiet time and, and, and I can't even get up and do one, one day a week. And so there's this burden. I want to I share with you uh, a verse that I think will get, if this is you, that will give you some room to breathe. And it's, uh, it's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. <clears throat> and it says, come to me, all you who labor for your salvation and are heavy laden, like this big backpack is on your back. And I will give you what? Rest. Does this sound like the gospel that you've placed your faith in? It's like restful. All right. And then the next verse. Take my yoke, this is Jesus talking, upon you, and learn from me. I am, is your Jesus gentle? Because if he's not gentle, you don't have the right Jesus. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And guess what you'll find? You'll find rest for your souls. So if you're coming in here today and you're a bit beat up and banged up because you tried to follow the rules... Or maybe you're that self-righteous person who can't believe that other people can't follow the rules like you follow the rules. You've placed your faith in a wrong gospel. I want to run down a list real quick. I'm going to try to do this quick. I debated whether or not to share this, but I got this from a sermon just years and years ago, but I, I kept it and I look at it just to keep me from drifting from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's the difference between the gospel and religion. Listen, I'm going to run through these quick, but just listen to the nuances of these. It says, religion says, follow all the rules and maybe you can earn your way back to God. The gospel says the way back to God has already been earned for you through Jesus Christ. Amen? Religion says, I have been good, so I deserve God's blessing. You're putting God in your debt because you're acting right. But what happens when things go bad? Well, God, you owe me. And my kids turned out like this, but I followed you. I followed the rules. Right? The gospel says, if you never give me another thing than Jesus, then I am the most blessed person on this earth. Religion says, I obey that I might be accepted. The gospel says, listen to this, I am accepted, therefore I obey. You see the difference in that? Religious center person feels like when they sin, they have let God down again. A gospel-centered person experiences sorrow over their sin, and then that sorrow is replaced by the joy of knowing that every single sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven. A religious-centered person runs from God when they sin. A gospel-centered person runs to God when they have sinned. Okay, in your pride, when you sin, if you follow all the rules, but you, we, we're going to break rules because we're not perfect like Jesus. What do you do? You run to God or you run away from God because you know if you're expected to follow the rules, if you don't follow the rules, God's not happy with you. Gospel-centered people will believe it's a burden that a, uh, sorry, a religious person feels like Christianity is a burden because they try so hard to follow the rules. Gospel-centered people viewed as a burden has been lifted. A religious person obeys and repents because of an ungodly fear of the Lord. A gospel-centered person obeys and repents 
because of an unimaginable grace and love that the Lord has shown them. Listen to this last one. This is about our worship. A religious-centered person's worship is lifeless. Gospel-centered person's worship is deep, powerful, and meaningful because they understand what has been done for them. Have you shifted to the Jesus plus gospel? You feel like you need to add stuff to it? You're either suffering from pride or despair this morning, if you have. Because those are the only two things that that counterfeit gospel produces. I want to remind you of Jesus' last words on the cross. For those of us who feel like we need to add to our salvation... What did he say? He said, well, it's almost finished. Well, he didn't say, oh, I did my part. Now it's your turn. What did he say? It is finished. Discipline people. It's finished. Quit, quit trying so hard to impress God and look at what Christ did on the cross. Okay, the next one is the cheap grace gospel. This is the second counterfeit gospel. We have the Jesus plus gospel, pride and despair. This is the cheap grace gospel. The cheap grace gospel says it's wanting all the benefits of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's eternity in heaven. Uh, That's forgiveness of all past, present, future sins. That's abundant life. All those things we want, right? without laying down and surrendering your will to Jesus Christ. We want all the benefits without the cost of discipleship. Well, wouldn't that be good? It's like eating honey buns and losing weight, right? I don't know how many of you know are familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew about cost. He was a pastor, a theologian in Nazi Germany. Uh, He was part of a failed um, assassination attempt of Hitler, and he was hung for his works against Hitler. And the sad thing was, Germany fell about three weeks after they killed him. So he was three weeks from being in the clear, clear. but he wrote a a book, and this is where cheap grace comes from. He kind of coined this But listen to his explanation of cheap grace. Cheap grace is grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without the requiring of a repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. This is the cheap grace gospel, and it has run rampant in the the South. It usually plays out like this. And guys, the burden for this uh, topic for me uh, just comes when we see people in, in this church who just radically get saved, who thought they were saved because they put their hope in two of the, either one of these counterfeit gospels. I, there's, I love it when people get baptized and share their story, but I super duper love it when people get up there 
and say, hey, I thought I was saved. I thought me and Jesus were good. And I realized I had placed my faith in a counterfeit gospel. And that day they decided to follow Jesus Christ. That just fires me up. So it shows us there is a potential to put your faith in a different gospel. But it usually plays out like this. Usually at a younger age. Um, usually plays out like this. Uh, so I, you know, when I was younger, the preacher said, uh, if you don't want to go to hell, you better pray this prayer. And so well, who wants to go to hell? So I prayed this prayer. And then I walked the aisle and my parents were happy and the preacher was happy. And so I thought I was doing everything, you know, doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then got wet, the, you know, next Sunday, cause that's what we do. And so, Jesus, thank you for the fire insurance and the, and the home in heaven, and uh, you stay right here, and I'll need you. If I need you, I'll come back and get you. And so that's the cheap grace gospel, and that, that has just played out, played itself out in, in the South so much. So much, guys. All right, so all, all um, counterfeit gospels have consequences or have things that they produce that is not good. So we saw pride and despair in the first one. This one, the cheap grace gospel produces idolatry. Idolatry. And idolatry is this, when we love something more than we love God, when we worship the created over the creator, that's idolatry. So it's not golden calves and stuff like that. It's, it's anything. And man, there is a plethora of Amazon Prime opportunity to just worship things other than God. And so there's, there's kind of three, three different idols that we tend to run to, especially in the South. Uh, material things, identities, and relationships. I know I've got a lot of, lot of lists, a lot of words. Material things identities and relationships, material things. Got to have the new shiny, uh, newest. I've already got one, but they came out with a new one. So I got to have that and it's bigger, better, shinier, bigger house, newer car. And, and it just feeds an appetite. All right. That says, I have a Jesus shaped hole in my soul and I'm going to fill it with things. And so we ask material things to do when only Jesus Christ, give me, you know, give me contentment, make me happy, save me, you know, give me a sense of purpose. And we ask the created to do what only the creator can do. Material things. How about identities, man? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in your pocket for a minute. Your, your work, your job, particularly if you own your own business, that, be, that can become your identity. So your, your, your manhood is established to what you've created in your business. Mike, I'm preaching at you. It's possible. And so my identity is not in Christ, but I put it in something else. So job, you better make me happy. What other people think of me because I have my own business, you better make me happy. All right, how about relationships? Ladies, I'm off. Hop in your purse. Not that this is a lady thing, but we just, you just see it in marriage. Where the, this, I call this the Jerry Maguire syndrome. You know, where he said, you, you complete me. 
that, that set us back just years. Guys, ladies, God help you if you're putting your happiness and your hope all in your husband's basket because we will let you down in a heartbeat. All right? You're asking your husband to do what only Jesus Christ can do in your life. And I've seen it the other way, you know, where the husband is, the, the wife is the functional savior of the husband. You know, you complete me. You make me feel good. You, you know, fill my love cup because that's your job. No, it's Jesus Christ. Husband and wife, place your faith in Jesus Christ and then see where the Lord takes your marriage. Um, this is the cheap grace gospel. Luke 14 tells us about the cheap grace gospel. This is the cost of discipleship chapter in Luke. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Does does that sound like the cheap grace gospel? Fire insurance, Jesus, you stay here. I'll come back when I need you. No, this, is, this sounds like serious business. All right. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross, his own instrument of death and torture and come after me, you can't be my disciple. Does that, does that look like your salvation experience? Does that look like your life right now? Or is it just, you know, the American dream with a little Jesus sprinkled on it? Was there one more verse than that, Jamie? Now 39. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. That sounds a little different than prayer, prayer, come up, get wet, pat you on the head, and say you're good. See you in heaven. Because that's a counterfeit gospel. Um, I have no, no idea how much time we have left. I'm just preaching. Um, I've, I've listened to plenty of gospel sermons the importance of the gospel and the preacher never shared the gospel, right? It's so important. You know, we got to keep first things first, but yet the gospel is never preached. I, I don't want to be that guy. I think that there are some people in here today who are going to hear the gospel that I'm about to, to share with you who have identified with maybe, hey, yeah, I've, I have placed my faith in me or things or some other kind of counterfeit gospel and uh, I'm ready to hear the real thing, and I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Guys, here's the real, the real gospel. We have all sinned. We have all broken God's commandments. Okay? Our sin is an affront to a holy God. God is perfect in his justice and therefore must judge us. When we die... Apart from Jesus Christ, you will be judged, sent straight to hell 
because God is perfect in his justice. Hell is a real place, eternal separation from God, a place of unimaginable terror and pain, and you will be there forever. But I'm about to get to the good news, the gospel. That God, in his loving, compassionate, kindness, good, and grace, provided a way through his son, Jesus Christ, that we could be saved. Jesus Christ came to this earth willingly, lived a perfect life that neither you, 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 anybody in here, myself included, could live a perfect life. That's why he was the perfect sacrifice. He was nailed to a Roman cross, died a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserved. He died in our place for our sins. In our place for our sins. While Jesus was hanging on that cross, the sins of the world were poured out on him. The wrath of God was poured out on him. They killed him. They put him in that tomb. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, the resurrection is just mind-blowing. When he was raised from the dead, it made everything he did make sense. In his resurrection from the dead, Jesus conquered sin and death and made salvation possible for you and me. So what's our response to the true gospel? Two things, repentance and faith. Repentance and faith are, the same, are two sides of the same coin. Repentance, I love, uh, and I'm sure he borrowed it from somebody, but Chris says repentance is not about perfection, it's about direction. So don't think you've got to clean yourself up and then come to Jesus because Jesus already took care of that. You come to Jesus with all your sin and you give it to him. And you say, Jesus, I want to turn from this sin and I want to turn towards you. And then you believe in the gospel. You believe in Jesus, the Jesus that I just shared with you, the real Jesus. And it's not this intellectual southern belief that has run rampant. It's a type of belief in Jesus Christ that leads to surrender, which is, an S, which is a bad S word for a lot of us. Because we love to be in control of our own lives. How are we saved? Repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And then we surrender. Okay? I'm getting to the end. It's 1201. That took a long time. Okay. I told you, there's two people here today, theoretically. You're either saved or you're not. You're saved by believing and repenting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've drifted from that original gospel that you put your faith in, which is so easy, today's the day to come back. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I'm so thankful that, today, that, that your word says that today, today can be the day of our salvation. And that we don't have to wait and clean ourselves up and follow the rules and, 
And we don't have to add anything to the gospel because your gospel, your son, is just like your son. It's perfect and it can save. And so I pray if there's anybody in here who has bought into this counterfeit gospel that any of the multitude that run rampant in the South, that today they would come to you. And if that's you today, I want to lead you in a prayer, not a, hey, I want to go to heaven when I die prayer, but a, a prayer of commitment, of turning from sin to Jesus Christ. You can say this, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son and that you died on the cross, but you arose from the dead. I believe I am a sinner who needs to be saved by you. So this day, Jesus, will you come into my life? Save me. Forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I want to live for you. Amen. We're going to sing. There's going to be people down front. Man, be bold for Jesus Christ. He was bold for you. Come down front. Talk to one of us. If you want to join our church, this is a gospel-centered, Jesus-preaching, people-loving church. We'd love to have you. If you just need to talk, if you need somebody to pray with you, now would be a great time to do that.